Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1867. This week we're celebrating the 70th annual Pebble Beach Concours d'Elegance that takes place Sunday, August 15th at the Lodge in Pebble Beach, California. To learn more and get your tickets, go to pebblebeach.net. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm just a little north of Gig Harbor in Redmond, Washington, with a longtime friend in the car world by the name of Al McEwen. Al, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I sure am, Mark. Thank you. You always are. You know, Al is somebody that I met when I first moved here 27 years ago. He was part of the Kirkland Concours. He's been a part of Pebble Beach since, I think, the beginning almost. I won't age you that much, Al. He's just been in the car world for so long, and I think it's tremendous what you've done. But I always ask my guests this one little question to start with. This might be tough on you. What's one little thing, Al, that most people may not know about you? Probably several little things they shouldn't know. <laughs> they shouldn't but, know. <laughs> uh, the, I don't know. I've been pretty outgoing in the automobile world, and uh, maybe they don't know I ski most of the winters. Whoa, okay. Well, you live very close to a bunch of ski resorts up here in the Pacific Northwest. Do you have a favorite one you, that you go to? I've been at Crystal Mountain since the day it opened. Oh, my uh, gosh. I was a ski patrolman at Crystal Mountain for 45 years. Oh, my gosh. Well, there you go. I didn't know that about you either. That's tremendous. That's uh, very, very cool. Well, I'll have to meet you up there one day, and you can show me the ropes. Oh, oh I'd love to. There's, You see the car crowd? And then there's the ski crowd. Yes, absolutely. And they're not too many crossing. No, not too many. I grew up in San Diego where we were kind of far from skiing. There was Big Bear, but I used to make the long drive up to Mammoth Mountain oh. and ski up there, which is a tremendous place to ski. I mean, it's just so huge. Incredible. Yeah, but the drive is, <laughs> I'm too old for the drive. <laughs> well, this was back when I was young, but I'll tell you something, Al. I had a good friend whose dad had a 1972 Porsche and his dad would loan us his car and Chris really? and I would drive that Porsche up to the through the high desert highway 395. We'd leave school at 4:30 in the afternoon on a Friday, and I, I'm a, I won't even say the kind of speeds we reached because my mom might be listening. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we would drive up there. The whole goal was to get up there in under seven hours, which we did many times. Ski the whole weekend and then drive back Sunday night so we could be back in school on Monday. I can't tell you how many times I did that. I could not do that today. I guarantee it. Very fun. Very fun. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. We're going to dive into Pebble Beach. Al McEwen is the senior member of the Pebble Beach Concorde Elegance Selection Committee and their chief class judge for European Classics. In 2005, he founded, and along with his lovely wife Sandy, oversees the Motoring Classic, which is an annual driving event that starts in the Pacific Northwest and ends at the Lodge at Pebble Beach. He's been involved with the Pebble Beach Concorde as an entrant and judge since 1981. Al has been actively involved in vintage cars since 1956, and has had a hands-on experience with many of the great European classics. He was founder and director of the Pacific Northwest region of the Classic Car Club of America and has planned and conducted 16 national CCCA caravans due to his longtime experience with Rolls-Royce, Bentley, Asada Fracini, and Hispano Suiza. 
he has become the go-to guy for questions for these marks and many others. We'll take a short break for our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to dive more into Al's life and the Pebble Beach Concourse. So keep your seatbelts on. We're having fun today with Al McEwen. Sit tight. Summer is here, and that means long, hot days. Oh, boy. Covercraft's UVS custom sunscreens are quality-made and are incredibly fast and easy to use. Your UVS sunscreen is custom-tailored for your vehicle, and their accordion design ensures easy storage. Not only do they protect your dash and interior for maximum protection, while parking in the sun, sunscreens keep your vehicle's interior significantly cooler. They are durable. They're dependable for years of use. I have one for all my vehicles. Every time I park my car, my Covercraft sunscreen goes up in the window. You can choose from a variety of colors, including the original, Premier Series, and Carhartt designs. Your sunscreen is manufactured with the quality and attention to detail that's been the standard for Covercraft since 1965. And they make a really great gift as well. Get your summer deal today. Use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Use the code yeah 21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. And that's who protects my Porsche Turbo. That's right, the one I call my Orange Crush. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 224 9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. So, Al, we are back. So let's dive a little deeper into the corner, something you've done many times while driving many of the classics you get to drive. I want to start by talking about Pebble Beach. And there's a series of things I want to ask you. And the first thing I want to dive into is, is the motoring classic, because you and Sandy put on a very fun way to launch yourself down to Pebble Beach. And I've been there to see you guys come in for this. I've been there to see you guys leave. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, first, Mark, I want to say... Congratulations to Sandra for her many years, you know, with the Concours. And I've worked with her, well, I mean, for a long, long, long time. Yeah. We get along great. I think we pretty much see eye to eye on things. Well, I think so. She's been around for 36 years with this event, which is over half of the time the event has even been in existence since this is the 70th anniversary. Last year, we won't count because we all kind of skipped everything last year, but uh, she was my guest on Monday. So any of you listeners that missed my talk with her, and I'll tell you something, Al, she's the only guest who's been on this show four times. I've had a few three-timers, a couple two-peaters, 
but she's the only one that's a four Peter, <laughs> as I'll call her. So uh, she holds that record as well, as well as uh, 36 wow. years at Pebble Beach. Pretty impressive, huh? Yep. Yep, she's got some longevity. Well, let's talk about the Motoring Classic first because you and Sandy put on this incredible event that is such a great way to set off the Pebble Beach Car Week. And that is a bunch of people getting in old cars and driving south. So tell us all about that. Well, I want to go back a little bit. Uh, it was actually in 2000, mm -hmm. uh, 2001 at Pebble Beach, vintage Bentleys were to be featured. And uh, my longtime friend Peter Hageman here said, we ought to do a tour. Well, when Peter says we ought to do a tour, it really means Al ought to do a tour. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay. We just called it the West Coast Tour. And it was to start up here in Kirkland and end at Pebble Beach. It was not an event of the Concours. It was just an event we were putting together to go to the Concours. And, you know, the internet was pretty young at the time. So the, most of the communication was by phone. Well, even written material and so on. And I told Peter, I said, 50 cars. I just picked the number. 50 cars. 50. Wow. In about two months, we were sold out. <laughs> we wow. had cars from Australia, South Africa, the continent, the UK, Canada, oh and the US. Wow. Bentleys. We said pre-war Bentleys. So that meant the vintage and the Rolls-Royce built Bentleys. And I'd turned down cars. I, I mean, it was incredible. Hmm. But I just couldn't handle anymore. And this was a one-time trip in 2001. Everything got quiet after that. And in 03, it was known that 04 was going to be the 100th anniversary of Rolls-Royce. Mm -hmm. And Hageman says, we ought to do a tour. <laughs> Means you ought to do a tour. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I love Peter, but if he were writing the instructions to get out of town, you wouldn't get out of town. <laughs> But uh, anyway, uh, so I brushed, up, brushed off the 01 tour, and we had some things that I uh, couldn't do in 04 that we did in 01, and reduced the number of people mm -hmm. and uh, number of cars. So we had something like maybe 60 people. In 01, we had 105 people. So we did the tour in 04, again, called the West Coast Tour, and... We had some people in 04 who had been with us in 01, and they said, we like this tour better. And when you asked why, the answer was there were fewer people. Mm, yeah. And that is a clue. In the uh, fall of 04, Sandra and Glenn were co-chairs at the time mm -hmm. of the Concours. And I was asked to make a proposal to the company uh, to make a, this tour an event of the Concours. And part of it was, it goes back to even in the late 90s when the Tour d'Elegance was uh, introduced at Pebble and uh, on Thursday. The Europeans drove their cars more than our show car people drove their cars. And to most Europeans, the Pebble Beach cars were trailer queens. So the Thursday Tour was introduced. It has become one of the most fun things at Pebble. But... This is also a way, my approach was, we've had 50 years or whatever it was of Pebble Beach cars. And when you come to Pebble Beach as an entrant, you feel like an insider. You know, you're hosted and you wind the dine and so on. Mm -hmm. You come back just as a spectator next year, you're chopped liver. You don't have this <laughs> same feeling as being an insider. Yes. So initial thought was, We've got all these Pebble Beach, former Pebble Beach cars out there. 
if we bring them down and treat them at the Concours as they were treated when they were entrants, right? Maybe they, you know, build up this insider feeling and you know become more of a part of the event over a longer period of time and that's how it started Uh, the goal was former pebble beach cars but that got to be impractical because there were certain people with former pebble beach cars who still weren't going to drive them because they're too nice but when the cadillac v16s came along for being featured at pebble i mean we can't take every v16 that was offered even though many of them were nice so We've come to the fact back to a car like you could see on the lawn at Pebble Beach mm. as being a car that we would take on the motoring classic. So 05 was the first year and we had cars from all over the world. I mean, wow. it, it was wonderful. And ever since we've had cars, I mean, New Zealand, Australia, Costa Rica, I mean, UK, a lot of them out of the Netherlands, uh, Switzerland, Germany, and so many people, two-thirds, about two-thirds of the people every year have been with us at least once in the past. Wow. Some four, five, and six times. So they've actually become friends, you know, and uh, it's, I think some come back because They want to see their friends again, you know. Right. Well, that's a lot about what we're going to experience this year with having 18 months off with this uh, pandemic issue we've dealt with. And let's talk a bit about your involvement on the selection committee. I know a little insider told me that one of your nicknames is Methuselah of the selection committee because you're a bit of a senior member there, aren't you? Tell you a story. (laughs) Uh, I'm a senior member almost everywhere. (laughs) No, uh, a little story is, you know, each car is reviewed uh, at the selection committee, each entry. Mm-hmm. And uh, Martin Button sits there, and some 1922 car will be up for discussion. And then I'll hear, hey, Al, you were there when it was new. What do you think? <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> and somehow I have a memory for cars. I, I Why? I don't know, but I can remember cars and people from the 60s, you know, I mean, they're the same cars. They're out there with different people today, but I can remember cars. So it frequently a question comes up, Al, do you remember this car? And, you know, it just, it's going on from there. But yes, I've been around it for a long time and I'm by far the oldest on the committee. <laughs> the most experienced. We'll, we'll call you that. Now, European classic classes have turned out more best of show winners than any other class, so I'm told. Why do you think? This is this is true, I believe. So why do you think that is? Well, you're going to get an opinion. That's all I need from you. <laughs> the Europeans... Uh, the the economic situation in Europe. Now, you know, my era in the 20s and 30s, I mean, that's my thing. Mm-hmm. And because we're talking European classic class, which is pre-war, pre-World War II. And the economic situation, I think, allowed more companies to continue to produce custom coach work. In other words, the volume sales weren't there. Mm. And again, because of the economics following World War One, and the uh, there wasn't as much technology advancement in production as you saw in this country. So the wood constructed bodies 
which allowed individual coach work, continued on for a longer period of time. And there were very few of them, and there were many different appearing cars. Mm. So it doesn't mean that a 1937 Delahaye with a super swoopy body is a better car than a 37 Packard 12. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing it for the first time and probably the only time. You've seen other 37 Packard 12s, but you've never seen another Delahaye like this. Mm-hmm. So that attracts people. And when the winners of various classes are lined up in the winner's circle and the judges, chief class judges, and a few honorary judges have to vote, there's this one thing that sticks out and hits you. It's new, it's fresh, it's different. I think that plays a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. How how will this year this year's field be different in your memory of what we saw in 2019? Well, we won't have as many Bentleys, that's for sure. <laughs> there were <laughs> there were a lot of Bentleys back then, weren't there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Obviously, having the approximately 40 former best of show cars, uh, yes, is it, all along the waterfront. It results in fewer other cars, meaning fewer other classes that are going to be judged because mm-hmm. the best of show cars aren't going to be rejudged. But what I think it does is offer the participant and the viewer an opportunity to see a lot of great cars. I mean, really great cars. Right. And yes, a restoration from the 1960s isn't the same as a restoration today. That doesn't matter. It's what is it? What is this vehicle? You know, and it's special. You get to see this again. And some people will wonder, thinking of what they see today, how could that have been best to show? <laughs> yeah. Back in 1960, whatever it was. I mean, to me, it's an attraction. I am pleased to go and see those cars. And I, I really think other people will be too. Oh, it's going to blow some people away, I believe. And think of the person who wins Best of Show this year that gets to go park their vehicle next to that lineup of vehicles. It's going to be a pretty proud moment, don't you think? Well, it is every year. I mean, Best of Show, it's you can't predict it. it yes, there's a handful of cars that you feel has a good up op- that have a good opportunity mm-hmm. but you know it's blind voting and it's uh you know i only know what i voted for i don't know what somebody else voted for and uh till it's announced we don't know yeah. sandra knows but that's about it yeah fantastic we're gonna take a short break and thank our sponsors when we come back we'll talk a little bit more and i want to ask you when we come back about pre-war versus post-war but keep that thought in your head al And we'll be right back. What began as a charitable car show has grown into the world's greatest collector car auctions, raising over $133 million for charitable organizations to date. For nearly 50 years, automotive enthusiasts from all over the world have enjoyed the Barrett-Jackson Collector Car Auctions. And I'm a huge fan. Regarded as the barometer of the collector car industry, their auctions are world-class lifestyle events, where thousands of the world's most sought-after unique and valuable automobiles cross the block in front of a global audience, in person, on TV, or streamed online. Barrett-Jackson produces the world's greatest collector car auctions in Scottsdale, Arizona, Palm Beach, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and new for 2021, Houston, 
Texas. The excitement of Barrett-Jackson auctions is contagious, and a unique experience is not to be missed. And be sure to visit BarrettJackson.com today. Barrett-Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auctions. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So let's talk a little bit about this. You're a pre-war guy. What, what's your opinion of that? Well, we've only had one winner, and that was Sean Shirley's uh, Ferrari, which a spectacular Ferrari. I mean, in some ways, I mean, I'm with you. It's obvious. I mean, we're seeing more post-war cars on the lawn. We're seeing more classes for post-war cars. Like, we have a class for Iso Grifos this year. Yeah, cool. Uh, but for a post-war car to win, and I don't think it's anti-post-war, it has got to be, it's essentially got to be a one-off and different. The same thing I said earlier. Why does a foreign classic, European classic, come out as best of show when it's not, quote, any better than some of the American cars that are there? It's one-off and it looks different. And uh, that's really how John's car, in my opinion, won, and it deserved to win. So, but we have fewer post-war cars because production changed that. I mean, the economics of producing cars has changed it. So you just can't do one-offs the way you could back in the 30s. Oh, and, okay, uh, okay, yeah. And thought of it that way. I love a Ferrari short wheelbase. Uh you know, uh, 250 GT short wheelbase, but there are a lot of them. Right. So when you see one, yeah, boy, I'd love to have that car. It's wonderful. But am I going to vote for for best of show? Because I'll see another one next week. Yeah, I understand. And so it, it's going to be harder. Yes, it's got to happen. It will happen. And there is some post-war cars that were still custom coach work in the late 40s and early 50s. I mean, because the Delahays being made at that time were still being made the same way they were produced before the war. But the French taxation system at the period in the early 50s just killed all this uh, special and high expensive uh, automobiles, high end automobiles. But uh, still, there are some post war cars. I mean, I can see a post-war Delahaye winning, and I hate to keep picking on Delahaye's, but it could be a Talbalago, it could be an Alpha, but there's going to be a one-off or near it. Yeah, it makes sense. I want to talk about 
The challenge when it comes to the judging process, you've been a judge for so long, uh, and I know there's a lot of different challenges come with being a judge, but can you maybe touch on one or two that seems to hit your memories of when it comes to judging? Because there's so many spectacular cars. Uh, We have to, in my classes, work a little differently than somebody working the Ferrari class Mm -hmm. or the Packard class because Packard guys no Packards, you know, they'll tell you the number, the way they, uh, the speedometer is wrong. You know, the, the, they didn't redo the numbering quite right. I mean, nobody else in the world knows that you come to my class, your first car is an Azota Frischkini. Your next car is a Lagonda. Then you have a Bugatti. Then you have an Austro Daimler and whatever. I have some judges, uh, that, we all are, quote, experts in certain marks, but not in all marks. And I try so hard to create a level playing field in that if we have an Isota Freschini or a Hispano Suiza, cars that I'm very familiar with, I want to see them myself, but I won't tell my judges the little things that I can see that they were unlikely able to see because they aren't as familiar. And the reason is the next car is an Austro Daimler and nobody knows it as well as they know. One guy knows Bugattis and one guy knows Talbos or whatever. So I try very hard to keep this level playing field. And uh, it just... It's it, difficult. It, <laughs> yeah. It, yes, but I mean... I want to be as fair as absolutely possible. You know, we, I ask all our people in advance if they've had any connection with a car that be considered a conflict of interest, and they go out and do the best they can. But nobody's perfect, and nobody is smart enough to know every single detail when you've got a different make and a different coach builder. It just, you've got to use judgment. That's why you're called judges. Now, you and Peter, who's a past guest, Peter Hageman, you mentioned earlier, is a past guest here on Cars. Yeah, Peter, I've known since I moved here as well. Uh, You two guys run in the same circles. Both of you oversee preservation class. And I want to ask you, why is this class so important in collecting? And what is the difference between a neglected, what I'll call a barn find vehicle and a truly preserved vehicle? I'm laughing, Mark. I know. I knew this was going to make you laugh. (laughs) Well, you ought to sit in on the uh, selection committee meeting. uh, So I've heard. (laughs) We have preservation barn find discussion. Yes, that's why I brought this up. I think (laughs) it's important, though, because a lot of people go to Pebble and they see cars. And I remember one year seeing a car that had mud on it. And I'm like, okay, come on. What's going on here? Uh, We'll start off with saying I have a a little saying of my own. I said uh, preservation is deliberate a barn find and is an accident of time Mm, i like it and we all love barn finds because we all think are we going to be lucky enough to open that door and find this car right i don't mean a old dilapidated plymouth you know this is the long lost duesenberg i've now found in this Mm -hmm. bar yeah and i fully understand a barn find and the love for it but If it's preserved, it's an accident of time. Preservation is deliberate. In other words, this car, yes, used sparingly, Mm -hmm. but 
been maintained over a period of time. For example, yeah, it they hit a light post and dented the fender back in 1934, and that fender got repaired and painted. That is preservation. But in many ways, I mean, the preservation judges are looking for as much untouched as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's not unreasonable either, because where do you draw the line between preservation and restoration? Right. I mean, very hard to draw. Uh, so it, it's not an exact science, but everyone says, and we all think true today, that uh, most of the cars restored in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, a lot of them shouldn't have been restored because they were too good, mm-hmm. which would be, they should be preserved today. But having had a preservation car for years, it's a mixed bag because you look at certain things on it. I do. And I say, God, that really bothers me. I mean, I want to plate that part. It looks so bad. Mm-hmm. But the moment I do that, everything else is going to look bad. Right. This part will look good. I had another friend who had a preservation first class winner there early on when we had preservation class. That would be a locomobile. He sold the car. I said, why? He said, well, he said, I can't drive it down the road without stuffing flying out of the seat, you know. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> he says, and I can't go fix it. Well, you know, yeah, you can fix it. But is that where is preservation? Where, where does the so, line unblur? Yeah. And I understand this seeing the imperfections and wanting to improve them. Mm-hmm. I mean, make them better. And then you start down this road, and next thing you know, the car is all redone. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a dangerous rabbit hole, isn't it? But there are certain cars out there that you see that have been preserved, and you'd really like to see them stay that way. They feel right. Right. When I was mothering a restoration of a Minerva years ago for someone else, I traveled. There were only four others in the U.S., this chassis series. And I traveled, and the car that I spent the most time with was the only unrestored one. Mm -hmm. Because that is the car that told me the things that we needed to know on this restoration. Makes sense. And if that didn't exist, then we would be guessing more in the restoration. Okay. Well so said. I'm very supportive of a well-preserved car, but I fully understand the problem of keeping it yeah. uh, that way. It's a challenge for sure. Well, you you answered that question very nicely. Thank you. I want to ask you about a really special car in your life because you've had many cars. You've been around many cars, but is there one vehicle in your past that really stands out for you? <laughs> That's probably, I would have to answer. My first classic came in when I was in college, Uh the V16 Cadillac for $300. And yes, I remember that and so on. But, you know, I sold it before I moved west and and then bought my first Rolls Royce because I was impressed with the town car approach, this open chauffeur's compartment, this closed rear compartment, and a car I knew about back east. And I bought it after I'd been out here six months and then later with my parents drove it across country. But as I started to learn more, here I was, this young guy driving this town car, this ballroom behind me and nobody in it. And 
I wanted something sportier. Mm. And uh, so I really think the car that I re- top of my list is the 33 Rolls Royce Phantom II Continental Gertie Nutting three position drop head, which I was fortunate to acquire in early 62. And they were hard to come by then. And it was just dumb luck that I was able to get it. And there was more money than we had agreed I'd spend on a car, but we did it anyway. Yeah. And I owned that car for 46 years. Wow. And my kids grew up both driving that car. So today, either kid can get into a Phantom Two Rolls Royce and drive it like, you know, they've been doing it their whole life. That's incredible. It, it was used as a second car for a period of time. and But it got to a point that it needed some engine attention. And that's this thing we call may as well. Mm. Once you start, yes. while I'm here, I may as well fix this. And next thing you know, it's spread out all over. May and at well. that time, <laughs> my Hispano Suiza was spread out all over. And I would not let myself start on the rolls. And in 2008, we traded the car to friends. I then mothered the restoration in a professional shop and... We took that car to Windsor Castle in 2012, to Villa Desta in 13. Wow. So it was no longer my car, but it was still my car. Yes. In other words, uh, I, I was so involved with that thing. And that car is in the Arturo Keller collection today. But, you know, it just, it was special. And if I had restored it, it probably would not have been because of the investment involved. Mm-hmm. To the same level it ended up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it just, it was perfect. Jeff McDonald's shop did the uh, restoration and it won the class at Pebble in 09. It won most elegant convertible at Pebble in 09. It won 10 best of shows up and down the West Coast oh in my 10 and 11. Wow. And then with it being at Windsor Castle with it and Villa Desta with it, it's just very, very special. So yeah. I, I I think I have to say that's my number one. Now, I'm going to crawl in your head here, Al. I'm going to be a bit of a psychologist, okay? Uh-oh. Yeah. If you were if you were manifest as a vehicle, this isn't what you want to be. This is your personality as you perceive yourself, the man in the mirror, manifest <laughs> into a vehicle. What is Al McEwen and why? Uh, uh, well, it is. My first immediate response would be I'd be a 2.9 Alpha. But uh, because of styling, because of the mechanics mm-hmm. and a bit of a race history. And I have a race history back in early years. So, it, and it's very sporty. And I would like to think of myself as being sporty. Okay. Fortunately, Sandy's not here to. <laughs> I mean, but yes. And of course, it's the top of the heap or near the top of the heap when it comes to automobiles. But on the other hand, I have a car here in the next room in the house because I love looking at it because of the coach work. Mm. I just love the detail of the coach work. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a Castagna body Isotta Frischetti. And uh-huh. uh, it's just, it is very special to me. And uh, I, I tell people it's my painting, except it has wheels. I love it. Okay. 
You know, I always like to ask my guests if there's a book they would like to recommend to our listeners. I've got over 2,000 books listed in my Guest Recommended Books tab on the Cars You Out website. Is there a book perhaps that you've sat down and enjoyed in the past you'd like to share? It's always been the book that in high school, when I read it, got me, I don't want to say started, but really expanded my area of interest in the makes and models. And that was Ken Purdy's Kings of the Road, <laughs> and uh, which there have been several editions. My original first edition disappeared years ago. I have a fifth or sixth edition out here. Now it's paperback, but that played a huge part. And there's a lot of stuff in it that isn't correct today, you know, uh, that was written. But it was new. The hobby was new then. But I memorized that book, you know. And I mean, there's a chapter on Duesenberg, a chapter on Espano Suisse, a chapter on a whole bunch of different cars. And somebody is just getting into this. It's not a bad book to read. I think so. Yeah. Uh, but we're going back to the 1950s. <laughs> That's okay. That book's been recommended by a few of my guests, and I think it's Have a, they? Yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Not many, but a few. So uh, us more senior guys will remember that from back Well, yeah, very days. senior. Yeah. I have a magic scepter, Al, and that means I can take you and allow you to go on what I call the ultimate drive. Now, you've been on the ultimate drive in so many cars over so many years, but this one is special because you get to pick any car in the world, you get to pick the person you're with. This could be somebody living or somebody who's deceased, and you can drive anywhere you want to drive. So what does the ultimate drive look for look like for a guy who's been on many ultimate drives? Well, first, I have to take my wife. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yes, I mean, that, that would be it. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, one of the other guys would be okay, but she's participated in every single event, and she makes the motoring classic happen. So yep. we travel very well together. Perfect. I, I think I would like to do a tour in Europe in the mountains, the Alps. I've not had the opportunity to do it. In uh, some ways, I'd like to do the Rolls Royce Silver Ghost Alpine tour. I don't have a Silver Ghost Rolls to do that, but I've been so many places in the U.S. and I've done it. I would like to do a vintage car tour in Europe, mm -hmm. but with the, you know the niceties. And there are a lot of these tours run now and so on. But yeah. uh, a casual, I'm not interested in a rally. I've done you know time distance rallies. I mean, it's like teaching your wife how to play bridge. Uh, just uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 that's not the best for relationships. Sometimes that doesn't end too well. <laughs> no, I want a nice drive and uh, an alpine tour, and it, it could be another one, a different car, yeah. but in that environment. Okay. Sounds That's good. What I'd like to do. That sounds awesome. You know, you've taken us on a great ride today, Al, as you do so many times, you and Sandy, with all these modern classic tours and the drives you do. I want to thank you for spending some some time with us today. Before I let you go, could you leave us with some parting words of wisdom, guidance, maybe a success quote, a mantra, something that ties back to these wonderful old cars? Well, I have a friend here that's looking for a car right now, and He's been looking, I mean, he's had an inspection. Uh, it's 3,000 miles away. Mm -hmm. He's had an inspection. He's got all kinds of photos and so on. But my advice is 
the cost of going to see it is nothing compared to what you're paying for this car. Does the car speak to you? I mean, when you go see this car, does it speak to you? If it speaks to you, then you will overlook some of the shortcomings that the professional guy that's looking at it for you that's non-emotional. But if the car doesn't speak to you, when you get it, these issues that were in the report are going to become bigger issues and so on, and you're not going to be as happy with what you got. Great advice. Trouble is, a lot of cars speak to me. uh, (laughs) Too many. (laughs) Yes, too many. Oh my gosh, I get it. Well, it's great advice. It's something that's worked for me every time. Uh, Cars that I bought that that didn't speak to me, and very soon I went, why did I buy that? And cars that did speak to me that I kept for a long time. So uh, your wisdom with your years and your guidance are perfect. Does it speak to you? Al Al and I want to invite all you listeners to join us to celebrate the 70th annual Pebble Beach Concord Elegance. You know what? We're being let out. We're back out. It's time to go out and experience things, enjoy things. Uh, If you've been there before, like I've been there 30 times, go back because there's always something new to see. If you've never done this, you must. It takes place Sunday, August 15th. You can go to their website, pebblebeach.net buy tickets in advance. This is going to be quite an emotional and wonderful reunion of not only people, but cars. Al, hey, thanks for for spending some really wonderful time with me today. I'm glad I finally got you on Cars Yeah! Until you and I talk again, my friend. I'll see you at the Pebble Beach Concours de Elegant. Thank you, Mark, and uh, we're looking forward to it. All right. And Ajax didn't bother us once, so we got through the talk without the barking dog. No, fortunately... (laughs) I mean, I got a notice that my Bonhams catalogs are supposed to come today. Uh So uh, uh, he'll be barking (laughs) for that. No doubt. No doubt. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!